for every woman that is listening to this message. You too can be a part of a movement. Welcome, welcome back, wonderful people. You are tuned into another episode of Create with Kendra, a place where you can be inspired, challenged, and changed. Every single week in this space, we make room to acknowledge Black creatives, entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women, and Black excellence in general, because we are amazing. So this week is very special. I would like to acknowledge... This week's creative as the Dr. Scott Brown. Dr. Scott Brown, or which I like to call him Dr. Funk, is a musician, a songwriter, and producer. He has a new song out, y'all, and it's called Last Man Remix. Looking for a summer vibe to keep your love going, y'all. It's summer's going to be forever, (laughs) like a forever feeling. This is what you need on your playlist. Now, Dr. Brown is not only a musician, but he is a professor at UCLA. He teaches black music and social movements. He is absolutely amazing. And this is something that he shared with me from a professor's um, perspective to a student, this is some advice that I am carrying um, forever. And he said, Kendra, don't lose your funk. And I said, Dr. Brown, what does that mean? Don't lose your funk. And he said, academics and work can be overwhelming. It can draw, you know, make your days long. It can really just wear you out. If you are a singer, keep singing. If you are a writer, keep writing. If you are a dancer, keep dancing. That is the definition of don't lose your funk. This man does it all. He plays bass, he shoots music videos, and he teaches. He wears many hats, and that is an encouragement to me, and I want to share that bit with you. Don't lose your funk. Now, for where to get Last Man Remix, head on over to Apple Music and Spotify. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel, Dr. Scott Brown. All right, y'all. Today is... I'm just really excited about this episode. As you can tell, the title is The Women of the Movement. Today's episode is going to serve as a bit of a history lesson, um, as I am a self-proclaimed historian. Um... It's going to be more than just that, but I I pray that it opens your eyes to the sheroes that have been the motor of many movements that we have seen throughout history in this country. This episode is dedicated to women of the movement, to Black women that use their minds, their hearts, their hands for the social, economical, educational, and holistic advancement of the Black community. So get ready to have your minds blown. Um, Today, we're going to start and jump on in to our first um, portion of our history lesson, which is the Jim Crow era. At the ending of the Civil War in 1865, the purpose of the war was to end the divide of the states that wanted 
you know, to have slaves and those states that did not want to have slaves in the United States. And so the objective was to go to war so we can free these people. Um, but that was a bit tricky when it comes to a country that was built on free labor of African people. The issue with it is that African Americans, they, they, we all, I'm gonna say we all, um, transferred from one form of bondage to another. So we went from slavery to now being free. So we're, we know we are no longer owned by the state, but how do you go with hundreds of years of having free labor to saying the people that were in bondage are now eye to eye, man to man, you're equal. It didn't go as smoothly. And even in the year 2020, we are still faced with those issues. So we went from slavery to convict leasing. If you don't want don't know what convict leasing is, it meant that black folks could be arrested and put in prison for life for things such as, you know, jaywalking or walking on the sidewalk when a white person is walking on the sidewalk, or they can be falsely accused of a crime just because the state needs free labor and they have not transitioned from slavery to um, paying laborers. They say, you know what? We just are going to set it up to where if you want to frame somebody black and throw them in jail, cool. So we went from slavery to convict leasing to what we know now as mass incarceration. Um, this is the reconstruction period of 1877. And, Americans had to learn or America had to learn how to integrate black folks, not as slaves, but as citizens of this country. And the issue with that is they didn't want to. And if you know about doing stuff halfway, it's going to be wrong. If you clean your house halfway, it's still going to be dirty. If you cook your meat halfway, it's still going to be raw. If you don't do it right, a hundred percent, it will not be done right at all. So the American South implemented these laws that deliberately segregated black folks from the rest of society. These laws were implemented, were known as Jim Crow laws. I hope that rings a bell in your mind. Um, Jim Crow laws lasted from approximately 1876 to 1965, which was not that long ago. Some of your parents or grandparents were born in the 60s. So that is a testament to how um, far you know, things have gone and how much further we do still need to progress. So the Jim Crow laws that were enforced, I mean, these were laws like, you know, it's a law that you stop at a stop sign. These were laws like you could not have, um, there were separate everything from white to colored restaurants to African Americans, black folks cannot sue white people or bring evidence against white people in a courtroom. How ridiculous is that? So if I, if my black family is, um, experience a terrorist attack in our home um the kkk comes and burns a cross on our on our lawn and vandalize our home i can't take that to court and sue the people that caused the destruction that was a law and even like the whole separate but equal um you've heard this in your history books you've seen this in movies separate but equal minus the equal so you know what because black folks are resilient baby <laughs> if that's how y'all want to do america we are going to establish our 
own. This was the rise of Black-owned schools, such as um, historical Black colleges and universities, HBCUs, um, banks, Black banks, Black department stores. It was a prominent time for Black business and the Black dollar to boom. And yeah, we were building our own sense of Black um, independence. And who was a primary contributor to these banks and these schools and these stores? Yes, Black women. So the first Shiro that I am going to introduce to you all, you may have heard of her. She isn't talked about a lot, but we need to shed light on this powerful woman. Her name is Maggie L. Walker. Maggie L. Walker was a powerhouse during the Jim Crow era. Y'all, when I was reading up on her and doing my research, I'm like, she is bad. Um, And aside from the, the work ethic that she has, and I'll get into that, she... um reminds me a lot of women that are believers in Christ. Um, She was born and raised in the church. She accepted Christ at a young age. And um, growing up in the church, she definitely volunteered a lot. And y'all, 70% of the black church is women. So look, just going to throw that in there. Um, Her church had a financial organization that she was a part of. Um, She didn't head it, but she was definitely on the board and it began to tank and they filed for bankruptcy. Um, Maggie took that um, tanking of the financial company and flipped it because that's what a black woman does. We take stuff that flops, flips it so it can be fly. Okay. So Maggie takes... um, the initiative in the head. And she, in 1903, establishes a bank. Yo, she establishes a bank, a black woman in 1903, unheard of. But guess what? She did it. Not only did she establish a bank, but she also created her own newspaper and department store. She believed that circulating the black dollar was very important for black business. And what I loved about her, she was a woman's woman. So that meant that the staff that she hired primarily were black women. Bomb, right? Because a lot, because during this time of, of Reconstruction and um, Jim Crow, black women can only find jobs cooking and cleaning for white folks. Um, so it was amazing that you can have a black woman that owns this bank and have black bankers and black store workers and black people working as writers and um, in the printing press, which is absolutely amazing. Um, the bank that she founded was called St. Luke's Penny Saving Bank. And I just wanted to add that she wasn't just the first black woman to own her own bank. She was the first woman in the United States of America to own a bank. That is a boss move. Ladies, if you are if God gives gives you a vision to start something that has never been done as a black woman, go ahead and do that thing. There are so many black women in this country and around the world were the first. And we're still coming up with the first black woman that has done this, that, and the other. That, you know what? Let's keep it going to where it becomes not normal. But let's have more black um women owning banks and department stores and news. I mean, Maggie was just amazing. Y'all read up on her. She's fantastic. And that story definitely inspires me um, because 
Every single week on this show, I make room for black excellence, black men and women that are entrepreneurs and um, creatives to just acknowledge y'all, this product is out here. This hair care, these earrings, this, um, um, whatever the case may be, this song, pushing black business, circulating the black dollar is so important to our community because it's not just mainstream folks that are doing things, but we are doing things as well. Now we have learned a bit of Maggie L. Walker's story. We are going to transition into the civil rights era, approximately from 1946 to 1968 with our second Shiro. Her name is Ella Josephine Baker, y'all, who actually worked as a civil rights um, activist through the Jim Crow era into the civil rights movement. She was on the board of the NAACP as a director Hello, somebody. And um, she founded, um, which this group definitely pushed activism towards changing legislature to move away from a desegregate, um, to desegregate America, to move away from segregation. She served as the executive director of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Conference. Um, she was the founder of the Student Nonviolent coordinating committee known as SNCC. Now, what is SNCC? Some folks don't know. I'm going to charge it. I ain't going to charge it to, you know, to anything because this is not taught through K through 12, but we're going to get this lesson today. SNCC um, started in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. And if you are familiar with the lunch counter students, college students, our age, 18, 19, 20, 21, um, went to all white lunch counters and sat at them and requested to be served, demanded to be served. I am an American, just like you. I want a milkshake. I want some burgers and some fries. There is no reason why you should serve me based on the color of my skin. Absolutely not. And so they they went through this training of not responding in violence when violence was implemented on them. So young folks, young college students sat in these restaurants and they had folks spit in their face. People would take their cigarettes and distinguish them on their bodies, even poured hot coffee on them dragging them out, beating them down only because they wanted to be served. Y'all, this is so inspiring because people were beaten and brutalized just for the sake of our freedom. For the sake of our freedom. And that's hard to, to imagine because the freedoms that we have now that we're able to go to restaurants and sit with, you know, black folks and white folks. Let me tell you, it's, it's, we have a lot of work to still do, but this is where it began. And Ella, and Ella Baker was, wasn't a person to boast and to make this movement, um, for the gram. I know they didn't have Instagram back then, but she even encouraged the students that participated don't call the newspaper. Don't call the the news, you know, casters and all that. Don't take pictures. 
you do you do this as if this is everyday life because it will catch publicity but you don't have to make things public and that's the difference between then and now yes things were caught on camera but there was there's some there's some sort of authenticity that is genuine to when you're just doing something and not trying to get praise for it when we hear of SNCC in the um, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, we think of strong figures, strong black men like John Lewis, rest in peace, John Lewis, and also um, the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Because, you know, especially MLK, he was the face. He was on the newspapers. He was on the television screen. And we forget that our Ella Bakers were actually the 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 pushers of these different organizations, the the ones that are writing, the ones that are spending countless hours in organizing these things like women, black women were so significant and are still so significant to the, to the movements that are happening and that has happened in this country. It is just so monumental. Um, from the Jim Crow era to the civil rights, there is a movement that is happening right now. And that is called the Black Lives Matter movement. On July 13, 2013, a social movement by the name of Black Lives Matter was founded in the depths of the frustration of the continuation of murders of black bodies in the U.S. This organization was, is so powerful to where it speaks not only to African-Americans, but it speaks to Black people of the entire African diaspora. When you go to the UK, when you go to parts of Africa, when you go to Australia, Black, we are everywhere. We are international, okay? And Black Lives Matter has reached so many parts of the world, and it is the movement of our generation. It's what's happening on the ground right now, and many don't know that this particular organization was jump-started and headed by three Black women, Alicia Garza, um, Patrice Colores, um, and Opal Tomitush. They were the three women that started Black Lives Matter. They were no, you know, no big shots. They were three black women that were fed up. Just like the black women from generations past that were fed up of the brutality, of the mistreatment of our community, of the abuse of black bodies. These were black women that were a part in the continuation of a movement for our community and a better world. Black women are perceived to be angry, aggressive, and this is something that I want to continue to have a conversation about on later episodes. But when you think of the torment and the abuse of Black women from being taken, kidnapped, from their homeland in Africa and brought to the United States. Um, and even the, the, the middle passage, the, the traveling conditions, many people revolted 
on the slaves, trying to take over it and, and get back home. Women were taken from their children, from their families, never to see them again. This was traumatic. And even pulling up to the shores in 1619 to a place they didn't eat that wasn't even America, before America, Angela Rye says, and I love this quote, we built this joint for free. And not only did we build it for free, but we build it under traumatic conditions. Y'all, for every woman that is listening to this message, you too can be a part of a movement. It doesn't matter where you're, where you're from, the level of education you have, every woman can be a part of this movement. Whether if it's strategizing, having your voice over the airways, speaking up, holding um, talks and conferences and educating people. If you're on the ground and you're protesting, if you are a lawyer and you're studying to be a lawyer or a judge, you can definitely be a part of the movement in the courtroom. You can be a part of the movement in the classroom. Don't feel like you're too small. Don't feel like you won't affect change. Don't feel like no one will listen to you because the world's freedom involves women like you. I'm going to say that again. The world's freedom involves women just like you. There is a woman that I felt that was moving in a movement before the movement began and that is the great Harriet Tubman. She was seen as small. People doubted her that she wasn't able to leave and escape slavery. And they even doubted her more when she um, was told by God to go back and free other people. They was like, you tripping. She was illiterate. She couldn't read. She couldn't write. But that did not limit her from being a black woman intellectual. It doesn't matter if you can read or write. It doesn't matter how much money you have, where you're from. That did not stop her from being an abolitionist. That did not stop her from being a political activist or even training soldiers. That did not stop her. She was a part of a movement, her own movement, before the movement began. And there's a quote that I want to share with you all. And it reads, and I pray to God to make me strong and able to fight. And that's what I've always prayed for ever since. God's time is always near. He set the North Star in the heavens and he gave me the strength in my limbs. He meant me to be free. This is Harriet Tubman in 1859. Women, you are not too small to do anything. You are not too insignificant to do anything. And if I have learned anything, God uses people that society thinks that's unqualified. You look at Moses. Moses in the Bible, he had a stuttering issue. Somebody that has a severe stuttering issue and you tell him to go and speak to Pharaoh and demand freedom for people. 
That's ridiculous. And that was Harriet's nickname, Moses. She was insignificant to society because of her status. She was a slave. But God used her. And if y'all have not seen the movie Harriet, look, I'm gonna plug this real quick. Go see the movie. Every black woman needs to experience that glory that, oh my God, I can't even, I'm not even gonna get started, but go see it. That movie was important to me as a believer, as a black woman, as someone that wants to affect change. Go watch it. I tell you, and this is all I'm going to (laughs) say. When I was watching the movie, I I thought to myself, God, I want you to speak to me like you spoke to Harriet. (laughs) Like that is amazing. And that is my continuous prayer that I am a vessel um, for God to serve his people um, not only in the church house, but on the street and even in this movement for equality for black folks and for, for everybody. And that is just something that is so near and dear to my heart. And I pray the same fire for you, whether if it's on the ground, in the classroom, in the courtroom, having conversations, or even just checking yourself, um, that is all being a part of the movement. All right, y'all. Now we have come to a, um, we are wrapping this episode up with the people's prayer. This is a portion of our um, show that we pray and go, you know, go to the throne of grace on the behalf of people that cannot pray for themselves. Um, so with all minds and hearts clear, Father God, we just thank you so much for this day. Um, the first blessing of this day is when you, you breathed the breath of life in us and allow us to open our eyes and see another day. God, this is something that we don't take advantage of, but we say thank you. God, I thank you so much for the, the freedom fighters and the women that paved the way for a woman like myself to sit at this mic and to sit and go before your people to encourage and to, um, to teach God. I thank you so much for inspiring strong black women to be a part of the world's change, God. And Lord, I pray, and we all know that there is so much more work that needs to be done in this world, in our country. God, I pray that you give us strength, give us creativity, give us the the power that we need in order to keep this momentum going. God, I pray that you strengthen every black woman that feels insignificant to be a part of a movement, if not Black Lives Matter, but to speak up for women that are abused, for people that are homeless. God, whatever the movement that you have called us to be a part of, Lord Jesus, God, I pray that you give us strength, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in how to move. God, in those spaces. Lord Jesus, God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share with your people. God, I pray that um, you keep everyone safe. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that is the word on the street for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, I highly encourage you to share this with somebody that needs to hear and learn about the women of the movement. All right. So if if that is, you know, a thing, and you feel encouraged to share this, please do. Even if you don't, 
please share this copy and paste it send it to everybody your mama your daddy your granny your cousin send it to the mailman this that and the other spread this message if you want to follow me on instagram and keep up with what kendra is doing head on over to instagram and you can follow me at underscore create with kendra there is also a new feature y'all on the unassociated website and that is you can go to unassociated.com slash ask kendra and you can submit questions topics of conversation that you would like to hear on this show you can write them in or you can send them in as an audio all right y'all until next time beautiful people be blessed <laughs>